Welcome to the first episode of Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon, the show where we sit down with theatre practitioners and get a backstage look at the creative process. On today's episode, we start off with a bang as we sit down with Emily Waldron, the director of the Armadale Drama and Musical Society's 2023 production, Into the Woods. Emily is a first-time director with ADMS, and we're going to talk about the application process, her directing experience, and the show as a whole. So without further ado, let's get on with the show and peep behind the curtain. You're listening to Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon here on 106.9 Tune FM. Today I'm sitting down with Emily Waldron, the director of ADMS's Into the Woods. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I have been in Armadale for... I think 15 years now, but I grew up uh, in the Lismore area and I've been involved in ADMS for close to 10 years. I think it's eight, eight and a half years or so. My first yeah. production was Legally Blonde. So, mm. yeah. And I've got a Bachelor of Theatre and Performance from UNE as well. Nice. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the play itself. Mm. What is Into the Woods actually about? So basically Stephen Sondheim has taken just a bunch of fairy tale characters, Little Red Riding Hood, Jack and the Beanstalk, Rapunzel, characters like that, and he's taken those narratives and he's twisted them around and woven his own narrative into those ones. So we've just got what seems like a mishmash of narrative, but the further you go through the story, you kind of realise that these characters are learning and growing and the the morals of the original stories might actually not be the morals that happen at the end of this story. So Mm. it's very interesting. Now, what was it? that drew you to direct Into the Woods? I have written this in my director's bio in the program, actually. Hey. But um, when I was a uni student here, we managed to get our hands on the Regent's Park version, which isn't like, a, it's sort of like outdoor Shakespeare. They did it in New York and they did it in London as well. So we managed to get our hands on that in, I think it was 2010, and we watched that, and I've just never seen anything like it. The set was just giant. It was built in the middle of, well, it seems like a wood, but I think mm. it's actually probably Central Park or something. <laughs> and yeah, it was just so cool. It was done at nighttime. The costumes were, they weren't period fairy tale. They were modern looking costumes. And mm. um, yeah, it was really, really interesting. So As you said, you drew inspiration from the Regent's Park production. Mm. What are you drawing from this performance in your own production? Well... Original Broadway version from the 70s is quite camp, like Mm. very camp. Um, (laughs) And that's funny and interesting, but I think we've seen that a lot of times. Anytime that someone says they're going to see a fairy tale show, be it a play or a musical or a kid show or whatever, you generally know what to expect. And the reason why I liked this Regent Park version was because it had taken that, but it had like added modern elements to it. So we're not using a lot of those, but you know, in the Regent's Park version, for example, some of the characters have headphones on um, and stuff like that. So just adding like a twist to what you kind of expect. I think a lot of people go to the theater to watch a fairy tale production and they expect to see like, you know, Cinderella's ball gown and, mm. you know, Little Red Riding Hood's giant red cape and that sort of, they'll get a touch of that, but we're trying to make it a little bit interesting. It has been done in this town before, but mm. it was about 14 years ago. So, <laughs> and that production very much stuck to the original kind of fairy tale, like boom, 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 telling a story, like a two dimensional set. And um, mm. we're trying to add it like another level to that because Sondheim writes some very interesting and intricate characters uh, in all of his musicals and this is a great example of that so we kind of want to go another level deeper than the original show there's a lot of good messages in the show and i think by taking out the kind of flouncy fairy tale business you Mm. can kind of get into the deeper stuff talking about levels let's talk about the set (laughs) (laughs) let's indeed (laughs) in your original pitch you proposed this big twisting and Mm. intricate set 
what have been the challenges of creating and using that set? <laughs> yeah, I think in my pitch, I, I used a photo from both the London and the New York show. And I said, mm. this is a vibe that I'd like to create, <laughs> but I'm well aware that we are indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of had to scale it back a bit. But I guess one of the biggest challenges is because in those outdoor versions, they actually dug the foundations into the ground and oh, wow. cemented the set in. And we don't really have that privilege or, you know, money. Um, <laughs> so I guess one of the challenges has been trying to keep within the constraints of the budget, but also trying to create something interesting. We've had a lot of help from the community. The Backtrack Boys have done a lot of welding and stuff for us. And we've had the steel company in Tamworth cut and transport things for free. So we've had a lot of help. And tomorrow is when we're going to, when I say we, not me, uh, <laughs> other people are going to attempt to create the set. We started planning in about October last year. So mm. It's had a lot of different versions come through since then. Mm. Some things they've said yes to that I've asked and other things they've just flat out said no. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. We're indoors. (laughs) You do what you can. So (laughs) we'll see how it turns out. And so with such a large and leveled set, have there been any difficulties with translating your thoughts into directions on a flat rehearsal space? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's... (sighs) I know what I want it to look like in my head and it's hard Mm -hmm. to tell whether it's going to look like that when they actually get on the set. I'm very, very, very glad and privileged, thankful that Taz has let us bump in three weeks early. So we're allowed to build the set three weeks earlier than we normally would, which Mm -hmm. means that like from the beginning, I said, I really want my actors to have as much time on that set as they can, because Mm -hmm. I'm very aware that while we're rehearsing things in a flat space, it's just one less thing they have to think about. And every Mm -hmm. single time you add a different element, like you start adding costumes, you start adding props, you start adding lights, it kind of throws the actors off and they need a minute to recalibrate. So from the beginning, I was very, very aware that it was going to be hard to translate this <laughs> um, from a flat surface onto this giant set. We've been rehearsing a little bit with drama boxes, so some of the characters are a little bit higher than ground level. But mm-hmm. for the most part, I think it's going to be yeah a bit of an adjustment, but you know we're we're ahead of schedule so hopefully my actors will be smart enough and <laughs> capable enough i'm sure they will be and as you said before with the whole idea with its fairy tale the actor's experience is definitely a level of play yes so yeah, yeah playing around with mm. that set is definitely part yeah, of yeah i've i've scheduled um I mean, we hope the set will be done on time. And um, (laughs) if it all goes to schedule, I have got in the rehearsal schedule a three-hour slot. First hour of that, we'll just be letting the actors like have a play on the set on their own without me Mm -hmm. sort of micromanaging them just so they can get their head around, you know, entrances and exits and Mm -hmm. how high up they'll actually be and how long it takes them to get from A to B and run from one side to the other and this, that and the other. So, yeah. This is your first time directing a full-scale production, right? Yes, it is. How has that experience been for you? I would say not as hard as I thought, actually, if I'm being totally honest. I've got a very good team of people working around me that have helped out with a lot. I did a lot of delegating, which I think in the past, some directors, they tend to want to have control over everything. And Mm -hmm. I have deliberately picked people that I trust will do the jobs that I've asked them to do. So Mm -hmm. it's one less thing that I have to worry about. The thing that has surprised me, the theatre scene here is a big social circle. So Mm -hmm. they're all my friends as well as my, you know, cast at the moment. So Mm -hmm. I'm more aware of people's personal issues than I think other directors would be just in terms of what they've got, you know, how busy they are in their personal lives, their work problems problems, their mental health problems and that sort of thing. So I would actually say that because I've got quite a smart and capable cast performance wise, Mm. the directing side of it hasn't been so much of a challenge as the kind of people managing side of it has been and just supporting people where they need support, basically. Have you found any challenges in choosing such an intricate and detailed show as your first directing credit? Again, not as much as I thought I would, which I think (laughs) is a testament to either my planning or the cast, a Mm -hmm. bit of both. I'm a very organised person, so I had a lot of it planned before. 
before I even had a cast. But this cast has just been so great in just embracing things and just running with things. And I think also the way the show is set out, it's it's just like a bunch of micro scenes. So each scene mm-hmm. kind of goes for 30 seconds to a minute and everything changes and it's constantly changing, which means that the flow of the show kind of already locks itself into place without me having to do too much sort of slow this down, speed this up because it's so quick and fast and the pace just moves on its own really. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been good. Let's take it back just a just a, for a second. This was your first time proposing a production for mm-hmm. ADMS. Yeah. Talk us through that experience. Well, first of all, I had the idea and I kind of threw it around to a few of my friends and said, do you think I would be good at this? Do you think it's a good idea? And they mm. said yes. Whether they thought it was true or not, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then first thing I had to do was find somebody to support the, the financial side of it. So mm-hmm. I approached Greg Quast in the pub one night when we were talking and said, look, I know that you've not been a producer before, but you are the treasurer of ADMS, so you know how to work a spreadsheet. Um, mm. And I don't. So <laughs> how do you feel about this idea? And he immediately was like, yes, absolutely. So from the get go, I had his support, which was very good. And then I sat down with a few people who had previously directed shows or worked on shows and production teams, mm-hmm. particularly Michael Cornford, who directed Les Mis last mm-hmm. year. We sat down and I went through his proposal and his budget for his show. And we talked about the challenges that he had, the things that I'll have to bring up and the things that I need to think of that I n- not necessarily would have thought of before the pitch meeting. He's like, you'll have to have this ready. You'll have to have this ready. I'll ask you this question. So mm. yeah, he helped me with the with the budget and the planning and everything. And then, yeah, I just kind of sat down and did the proposal and here we are. <laughs> it definitely makes that proposal process a lot easier when you've yeah. got this supportive community. I was kind it. of surprised at how many meetings I had to have before I had even submitted the proposal. Mm. So I had to have about maybe eight or nine meetings with various people because I had to lock things into place. Like when you present a show, we have to have an artistic vision, but you also mm-hmm. have to thought of the behind the scenes stuff. So I had to lock in like who would do lighting, who would build the set, who would do the sound, like all that sort of stuff had to mm. be sorted out, in which case I had to sit down with people and very clearly kind of lay out my ideas and my expectations and then they had to say yes or no. And then so I kind of had to build it as if it was already approved before it was approved mm. in order to be the most prepared that I could be because the budget for those shows are large and, mm. you know, you need to know what you're talking about if you're asking them to trust you with a large sum of money. <laughs> and it can especially be large for the musicals yeah, in particular. Yes, it's their biggest show of the year. So the, mm. the budget is quite big. I'm youngish. I don't. I, people think I'm younger than I am. I'm mm-hmm. in my mid thirties, but people think because you know I'm quite youthful. Um, but you know, I think often young people are dismissed as being disorganised or mm. underprepared. So I had to make sure that that wasn't the case. And you absolutely did a fantastic mm. oh, job, thank might you. I say. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we've already said you're a veteran of ADMS. Mm. Your credits with the society dating back to 2015 with Legally Blonde, mm-hmm. of course. How has your experience changed going from an actor to a director? As I said, it's mainly just the people managing. I think that's mm. probably the same with any job. The higher up you are, the more people managing you have to do. So <laughs> I'm, it's kind of surprised me how much... It kind of hasn't hasn't surprised me how much fielding of people's problems I've had to do behind the scenes. And it mm-hmm. sounds more dramatic than it actually is, but it's just, you know, I'm very aware of a lot of people's personal lives. And so I'm just trying to k- take that into account when I ask people to do things and have to be respectful of people's time because it is all volunteer based. So mm-hmm. we want people to have a good time, but we also want to put on a good show because people are paying a lot of money to see it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a delicate balance between those two things. But I would say coming from an actor's perspective, I think I was always like, oh, that's a lot of work. But when you actually do it, you really just how much work it is and how much time mm. you spend because I work full time in town and I also am at uni doing my master's as well of education mm. so I had to take this trimester off because it's just taking up all of my time at home mm. <laughs> <laughs> doing stuff behind the scenes so if you 
think you want to direct a musical, just be prepared to put your life on hold for 12 months, I would say. Yeah, it's almost a second full-time job. It is, it literally is. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about the music. Mm. Into the Woods is a special production, as the first name audiences will associate with the show is, of course, Mm. Stephen Sondheim. And for fair reason, as many dramatic beats are delivered through song. What has your experience with this music been like from a director's perspective? I performed in my first Sondheim with you Mm -hmm. um, last year. We did company. And people always say Sondheim is hard. I didn't realise quite how hard it actually Mm. is (laughs) until you're actually trying to learn it. The man does not know um, how to write a song without doing a tempo time signature, I should say, or key change. So, yeah, I mean, luckily, Key's my musical director. I've pretty much left all of the music side of it up to him because Mm -hmm. I can read music a little bit and I do play in instruments but I just don't have the knowledge that he has so that's his job but yeah I've just been in awe of how quickly you know you guys have learnt everything and it looks to me like it is with great ease although I'm told it's not Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah sometimes I like do a cheeky little quick glance at the score and I'm like oh that's that's a lot of key changes for one song (laughs) so (laughs) the man does not like to write easy music which is why I guess that's why it's so interesting Mm. Mm. but then you also in the way that you laid out the rehearsal process Mm. you of course gave that time to I sit did, down. Yeah. I did, yeah. I said that one of the meetings I had very early on was with Keys. actually. He was mm. one of the first people I met with and said, look, the way that ADMS usually rehearsals is, is that we have three rehearsals a week, three hours Tuesday, three hours Thursday, three hours Sunday. Mm-hmm. And normally a lot of the shows have a pretty big dance element to it. So time mm-hmm. has to be kind of dedicated to that. And I'm very glad that we don't have a dance element <laughs> um, because otherwise we'd run out of time. But I said to him, look, I'm very aware that this show is hard and that the music needs to be good. So I gave him the entire first month mm-hmm. just for the actors to do nothing but music um, before I even started blocking because well, a lot of people were telling me and I was also aware that mm-hmm. it was going to be difficult for them to learn. So I told him from the beginning that that I would give that to him and I did um, and we've added a few extra rehearsals in since then but yeah I think it's worked pretty well because in the past it's kind of been like an hour of music an hour of dance an hour of acting mm-hmm. every time and it's just I find it to be quite disruptive an hour is not a very long time when you're trying to direct 30 people you're unable to get to the real depth yeah of by the time elements. you kind of get the finer details you're kind of working on and then it's just like okay well it's been 40 minutes so we just have to move on now and I mm. feel like stuff is just not really finished but yeah we try yeah. <laughs> we tried something different this year so I guess we'll find out whether it's worked or not. Yeah, Yeah. and Mm. from my experience, because, of course, I'm in the cast, Mm. and from my experience, it has worked fantastically. Delightful. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Into the Woods changes drastically between the Mm. first and second acts, with new questions, new goals, and new morals. As a director and lover of the show... Which act is your favourite? <laughs> <laughs> just let me, I've got my, I got my song list here. I'm just going to mm-hmm. pop my song list up because I, as I said, I will forget. Yeah, I think a lot of musicals suffer from what everyone calls second act problem mm-hmm. is that the first act just kind of goes at 110 and you're just like, wow, that was amazing. And then you come in for the second act and you're just like, ah, it's just dragging, mm-hmm. it's dragging. So <laughs> I guess it's a real challenge for us to try and not make that happen. As I said, the first act is very fragmented. It's a lot of micro scenes, whereas uh-huh. act two is like one big long scene. A lot of stuff happens though. So hopefully we've created something that's quite interesting, but there's just a, a set of really, really nice songs in the second act. Just really take the audience on a journey. We've got The Witch's Lament, which is a huge dramatic song and um, Moments in the Woods from The Baker's mm-hmm. Wife, which is her, you know, big climactic song. And then right when people are probably tending to fall asleep, we've just like bam your fault comes in which mm-hmm. is a uh i guess a four or five hander technically the witch is in it yeah. so it's a five hander song and it just goes and goes and goes and mm-hmm. the you know lyrics and everything are just all over the top of each other um mm-hmm. and then we've got no one is alone which is a really nice four-hander song mm-hmm. um lovely harmonies and just that song makes me very emotional every time i listen to it mm-hmm. um that's kind of like the end point for a lot of characters in the show um their arc is kind of 
ended with that song. They've gone on their journey, mostly about family for most of them, and kind of they've realised that family is not really what it was in the beginning of the show and mm-hmm. doesn't have to be what everyone says it has to be. So to answer your question, my first, I don't know actually whether... Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot a lot of bangers in Act 1 and Act 2. I think most of my favourite songs are actually in Act 2. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just because they're, they're just lyrically and just musically, they're just really pretty. So mm. the prologue is fun, though, I will oh, say. Um, we do love the prologue. Well, actually, my favourite section of any song in the entire show is the Ever After canon, mm-hmm. which happens at the Act 1 finale and it's repeated again mm. in the Act 2 finale, which is basically three groups of people singing a canon, which means they start staggered and sing on top of each other. The same thing at different points in time I mean it's just really really effective mm. and it's my favorite part of the whole show so whenever I get to watch the cast seeing that part of the show I get really really excited nice. <laughs> by bringing actors into the roles mm. you become exposed to new ideas mm. are there any revelations that you've discovered during the rehearsal process the way that I was trained here at UNE was under mm-hmm. Sue Fell and um, Julie Shearer and a couple of other people here and there, but they kind of encouraged a very collaborative work environment. It's their teaching philosophy, but it's also just the way the degree was structured in, in that we did a lot of self-devised group work. For our smaller assessment tasks, there wasn't necessarily one person directing. It was kind of we as a group came up with something and we as a group directed it and we as a group performed it. That's, that's the way that I prefer to work because that's mainly what I've done. So I think mm. I tried to bring that into the show in... And I've worked with a lot of these people before, but some of them I've never met before. So I guess Mm. I just had to trust that what we saw in their audition was a a small bit of what they would give us. And and it's really come through. There's some younger cast members that have really surprised me. And I thought I would have to give them a lot more handholding than I actually have had to. And I guess you just have to trust that people will do their homework. And if they know the show well enough and if they're enjoying themselves, they will give me (laughs) something. And they have. Um, It's just the nerves at this point for the younger ones. I think Mm -hmm. they're terrified that they're not doing a good enough job. But I've told them, you're great. Mm. Um, You know, we really value your input so i guess it's it's mainly about trusting your actors i think yeah fair reason uh, a few of these people it's only their first or second time i know on stage. Uh, i mean young caitlin our narrator is 11 years old she, mm. i think she will be 12 on sunday actually i was hey. told it was her birthday on sunday and then a couple of other actors are you know 16 17 um mm-hmm. just turned 18 so this is their first kind of they've done school musicals but they haven't really done adult mm. shows before so it's big for them and it's exciting so mm. yeah and personally being in that sort of situation with um back when i did spam a lot. Mm. Absolutely. I can understand that yeah. from that perspective. Yep. Bless the kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, ADMS is trying something new this year with opening night being mm. a black tie gala. Mm. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, because I like to delegate, I haven't organized a lot of it, but I <laughs> did have the final say, so that's okay. Yeah, look, I I was told that they used to do this thing sort of years and years ago, but mm. um, in my period of time participating in ADMS shows, I've never seen it done. So we decided to try and bring it back. I've talked to my production team very early on about how I wanted the stage theme to kind of seep into the theatre as well as the mm. foyer. So we're doing a lot of decorating of the theatre and a lot of decorating of the foyer. Um, but there's a lot of backstage work that people don't really know about or appreciate. So we're, we're trying to put some um, displays up as well. We've got photos of Doug, Doug's doing the witch's mask. So mm. we've got photos of that. We've got photos of, you know, Carmel making our milky white puppet mm-hmm. and just the process and that sort of thing so we're going to have those on display and we were just thinking you know when you go to see professional theater they've got all those things in the foyer in display and they've also Mm. selling you know cocktails and this that and the other so we thought well why can't we try and replicate that so um basically
Basically, we've got some catering happening. Nice. Uh, we've got four signature cocktails that are in theme with the show. And yeah, patrons will get a signed copy of the program. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're just really hoping to kind of open the show with a bang and some professionalism and then ch- trying to carry that creativity from the stage all the way through so that it's an audience experience, basically, when they come through the front door. The foyer is in theme. There's a lot of things for them to look at. There's a lot of things for them to do. I believe there's a photo booth being set up. Again, I don't know many details about that, but I've been told it's happening. So, yeah, just a lot of cool and interactive stuff they can do in the foyer. Hmm. So they feel like they're kind of getting the experience. And then when they come into the theatre itself, we'll be decorating the theatre as well as the stage. So hmm. it'll just be hopefully, you know, woodsy um, from the moment they walk into the foyer. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the tickets for the gala night uh, $80 instead of 40 mm-hmm. um, because it's a fundraiser for the Armadale Playhouse, mm. um, which is a sort of a adjacent branch to ADMS. So the Playhouse runs smaller plays and shows and also community gigs and that sort of thing. Um, they mm. get traveling shows in. They also house our plays. We have our meetings there, but it costs, I want to say it's $900 a month, but I'm not exactly sure. Mm. It costs an amount of money to keep mm. that place open. So yeah, we decided to, um, I think every year, every show donates a percentage of money to the Playhouse. So yeah, that's the goal and I just kind of to do that. Mm. And on top of that, if anybody does want to make a donation yes, to the Playhouse. Yes, I believe there is a QR code or something in the program mm. or when you purchase the tickets, there's an option to donate to the Playhouse. There'll also be an option to donate to Backtrack um, mm. because they've done a lot of work for us as well. So yeah. Now, before we close, do you want to give a quick promo for the show? Whoa, just come and watch it. <laughs> uh, no, look, we're very excited. Um, this year, there's a lot of new faces, which is always really exciting mm. to see new faces on stage. There's a couple of cast members that have never done ADMS shows before in lead roles. So that'll be really interesting for people to come and see someone they've never seen perform before. But yes, we are bumping in this weekend, got a couple of weeks left, and then we'll be ready to roll. So we open on the 30th, Friday, the 30th of June with our gala night. Mm-hmm. And then we are on for the th- following three, well, that included three weekends. So we open close on the 15th of July Um, so there's Thursday night Friday night Saturday matinee Saturday night Sunday matinees so yeah plenty of opportunities to see the show and I know this town is very slow at purchasing tickets but this year they've actually been selling quite well so Mm. I would say do not just decide to buy it at the last minute because you may not get a ticket so Mm. yeah and also make sure to grab your tickets for those earlier weekends because if you end up finding out that you absolutely love the show and want to see it again exactly right you can come twice and there is a discount for students as well so Mm. yeah well thank you for coming in and speaking with us no worries thank you You've been listening to Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon on 106.9 Tune FM. To view our latest episodes and Tune FM's other programs, search Tune FM on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also visit our page at tunefm.net. Finally, make sure you're following Tune FM on Facebook and Instagram to hear the latest on new episodes. That's it for today's show. My name's been Nick, and I'll see you next time.